The American Council of the Blind presents ACB Reports, a monthly news magazine featuring topics of interest to people who are blind or have low vision. I'm Mike Duke. This month... The National Office of the American Council of the Blind has a new address. Meet Tony Stevens, the new Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs for ACB. Tony will also talk about the upcoming ACB Legislative Seminar. And ACB Executive Director Eric Bridges talks about the move, the partnership with Microsoft, and the upcoming Mid-Year Affiliate President's Meeting. There's a lot going on as we welcome you to ACB Reports for February 2016. After Eric Bridges became the Executive Director of the American Council of the Blind, Tony Stevens was hired to fill Eric's old position as Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs. His first duty in this new job is the upcoming ACB Legislative Seminar, which will be held on February 29th. Welcome aboard, Tony. But before we talk about the seminar, tell us a little bit about yourself. I came to ACB from National Industries for the Blind, where I had been managing the public policy and advocacy there at NIB. That included working up on Capitol Hill on a lot of issues similar with ACB. worked alongside Eric on, on a number of issues, as well as with other blindness organizations and service providers for people who are blind around the country. And then also led through NIB a program that was called Advocates for Leadership and Employment, which was an empowerment program for people who are blind, working at you know, service agencies and industries throughout NIB to bring them to Washington and train them on, on being advocates. That's been the recent history. I was at NIB for five years. I moved down from New York City. Prior to that, I was working for a communications think tank on a pretty wide variety range of social justice issues uh, for a communications group up in New York that was sort of mainstream media meets public policy. And we worked on a lot of things from health care, uh, racial justice, and equal opportunity issues, uh, a lot of work on immigration and other areas like that. So for a little over two decades now, my focus has pretty much been on a wide spread of issues, what we call the public interest sector. A lot of social justice campaigns I've worked on. I uh, spent seven years in, in formation to be a priest. I was working with a group called the Jesuits outside of Chicago, which is an old Catholic religious order of priests. And that as well, in a sense, was, was very much entrenched in social justice causes and campaigns. So I, again, with them, worked a lot with the homeless and mentally ill and, and uh, people in poverty uh, around the country. I had really good opportunities with them as well. So you've done a variety of things, largely advocacy-based before coming to ACB. I like that word, think tank. That's just a cool word. It encompasses it's, it's a, a lot of stuff. It's a neat hat to wear when you tell people because it just makes you sound smart or something, you know, <laughs> much, much smarter than we actually are. Really what it was was behind the scenes of how campaigns are kind of made, and you want to make sure you get off on the right foot. And So much of that is what we say and how we say it and who we say it to. So, you know, that was our focus on that. My background was in communications. I, I got my graduate and undergraduate degrees in journalism from University of Georgia, and I had worked in print and radio during the 90s. It was always community-based, public interest radio, advocacy journalism, I always thought of it as. So welcome to ACB and your first challenge, assignment, job for the organization is the upcoming legislative seminar, which happens uh, later this month. When? Uh, it'll take place the last weekend in February. Uh, we'll have our mid-year conference and President's meeting for affiliates. And then on February 29th, on a Monday, 
get the joy of a leap year this year. We get an extra day. So luckily the conference is, is on that. You know, we'd like to think you're not losing any time in the year by coming to, to, to stay with us. But February 29th will be our, our day of sort of going over the issues and working on our messaging, kind of like we were talking about before, how important it is to know what to say and how to say it and who to say it to. And then we'll hit the Hill on March 1st. And we'll be meeting with congressional offices up on Capitol Hill on, on, on that day for the agenda that we've recognized this year as sort of being our, our top priorities. The uh, seminar this year has a new location, too. Where is that? It does, yeah. We'll be staying at a new hotel in North Old Town, Alexandria. It's the Crown Plaza, and it's a nice property. I've used it before for another uh, conference that, that I did while at NIB for a legislative seminar that we did at NIB, and it's a, it's a great space. It's a couple blocks from the Potomac, uh, not too far from the main drag of old historic Alexandria, which is full of its landmarks and where Washington himself used to kind of hang around back in the days. Uh, and so it's not too much further from the airport from where the other hotel was. It's a good space. It's a good location. The, the room rates were a little bit cheaper this year around. And, the, you know, there's a shuttle for folks flying in. The shuttle's very convenient from the airport that takes you to the hotel. It's less than a five-minute ride, maybe a five-minute ride at the most. That's from uh, uh, Reagan. Reagan. Yeah, if you're flying into Reagan National. We're very close to Reagan National in the northern part of Alexandria. And, of course, if you plan to attend the seminar, you need to register, like, now. <laughs> yeah, I think the deadline is coming up, you know, in the next week. It really helps us to know who's coming and where they're coming from, because this is a game of chess. Congress lasts two years, each session, and we're in the second year. We're halfway through this game of chess, and it helps us to know who's coming and where you're coming from. That way we can make sure that when you arrive in Washington, we're able to hit the ground running and put forth the best strategy and make sure that we got the best game going on. And in addition to being a presidential election year, it's an election year for Congress as well. It is, and this is always the more heated election year. You know, it's every two years Congress votes a new Congress into session, and you'll get new people coming in. And the way these usually work, though, is this is where a lot more people obviously show up for presidential elections. You know, come October, uh, a lot of the attention is going to steer away from the Hill because all the members of Congress will be back home campaigning. One of the things we want to try to do this year is, because knowing that that attention is going to be turned away from Capitol Hill later in the year, while we're still going to have Congress, you know, they'll come back after the election and have six more weeks of work doing, and they're probably going to crank through an awful lot in that six weeks, depending on how the election turns, is to try to instill the fact that we come to Washington, but it's just as well at home. And for those that can't make it to Washington, you know, we'll be pushing forward a big, strong effort this year to uh, increase grassroots advocacy so that folks are engaging and continuing the relationships they build here in Washington in their home districts around the country. And that is a very important part, to talk to the congressional delegation, not just while you're there, but keep in touch with them for the rest of the year. It is. I mean, it's a relationship process. And the more we build relationships with the congressional staffers here in Washington and with the district staffers back home, the stronger relationship becomes with our members of Congress. And the more our members of Congress look to us as a community of empowered people who are blind as experts on the subjects. You know, they don't know everything. They rely on the experts that they have to turn to. And the more we can get here to Washington and be able to speak on these issues, it gives us greater empowerment as an organization, as a community, uh, in sort of leading the way and, and you know, really being able to talk with authority on the issues that really matter to the most. And I was thinking back on my 
first legislative seminar that I attended in the mid-90s, I was pleasantly surprised at the number of staffers and congressmen themselves who would say to me, you have to tell me the things that you think I need to know because I may not know them. And uh, I was really impressed with that attitude going in. They were coming in in the listening mode. You're right in the way that there's 435 members of the House of Representatives, 100 in the Senate, that's 535 members, who have about 13,000, 14,000 staffers, most of whom are young, right out of college, a couple years in. You know, there's some people who are very well-seasoned veterans, and I'm sure you've met some people over and over, year and year again, and continuous relationships. But by at large, it's a young group of folks that they might have a, a niche and expertise, but they don't know everything. Excellent opportunity for us to come to the Hill and teach them inform them about the issues that are impacting people who are blind in their home district. It is a very young crowd. I was away from the seminar for several years and went back last year after about a, I guess, a six-year absence, and I was blown away by the number of people who were right out of college or taking a year off from college, whatever. I mean, an incredibly young group up there on the Hill, very devoted and dedicated and very thorough but still a very, very young group. Yeah, they're extremely smart, extremely dedicated. They work harder than anybody else, I think, in this town does, those folks up on the Hill, the staffers, because uh, they want to make a difference. And for folks that come here and, and engage with that, it's, it's an opportunity to you know, really get a sense to figure out how our government works behind the scenes. You know, I mean, it's, it's kind of scary to think you know, our country is run by a bunch of people right out of college. I say that as someone who's old and bitter and jaded now in his 40s, but... I think that you realize when you meet them one-on-one and put a name with a voice, you realize, wow, these are extremely intelligent people. They don't know everything, and that's where we come into play. And that's an important function that we serve as members of the American Council of the Blind when we participate in the legislative seminar. So what will we be talking about in the seminar? Well, again, you know, one of the emphasis I want to put on uh, coming in here is is the importance of, of grassroots advocacy continuing the relationship afterwards. So there'll be some conversations around that. We'll also be getting updates on the whole wide range of policy issues that we're working on here in Washington and that some of our states are working on actively as well. Uh, you know, we'll have speakers from uh, you know, the Federal Department of Transportation. Uh, we'll have folks from the FCC. Uh, our legislative priorities this year uh, are going to be familiar for people that came last year and that, you know, it's a reminder that Congress is a two-year session and that we got through halftime over the the new year and we still got two more quarters to go of of a game. And over the next eight months, the low vision exclusion device issue that we talked about last year to create a demonstration in Medicare uh, demonstration that will look at what happens when we get rid of this low vision eyeglasses exclusion. Uh, The uh, Cogswell-Macy Act, which deals with our young adults and students in school expanding services and curriculum and meeting them in a 21st century way to, of education. Uh, and you know, the Marrakesh Treaty, those are going to be three key issues that we're going to be talking about. But we need to talk about them because, it's, like I said, it's the second half of the game. And, you know, we got eight months left and a big election. But we still have some good opportunities with them, which is why we felt like it was worth investing and continuing to invest on these three key issues that we brought to the Hill last year. We're also going to be looking at another issue around web accessibility. Recently, the Department of Justice made a decision to postpone a proposal.
proposed rulemaking process where, you know, it's about almost a decade ago, uh, Congress passed the ADA Amendments Act. Uh, you know, when the ADA came into law in 1990, we didn't have the Internet yet. You know, it was, it was defense projects and maybe some universities, but there was no World Wide Web or HTML and accessibility issues that we have 25 years later. And the Department of Justice, you know, in 2010, 2011, we were thinking, okay, well, the regulations after the ADA Amendments Act are going to come out to better define web accessibility under Title III of the ADA for public accommodations. And unfortunately, we heard a few months ago the Department of Justice, I keep feeling like I'm going back to football analogies, you know, they kind of punted the ball, so to speak, to 2018, which will be a decade after the ADA Amendments Act was passed. We feel like you know the internet is racing ahead forward at lightning speed as always, uh, and, and we want the Department of Justice to to try to rein it in and, and say, look, we need to focus on web accessibility and come up with some regulations that can really help us make sure that that marketplace is accessible as the marketplace down the street from our house that we walk to each weekend. And again, if we don't stay on top of these things, they don't happen. No, we need to be informed constituents of our members of Congress. The greatest thing I think that is often overlooked is in the First Amendment. You know, we always talk about freedom of religion and freedom of speech, but the third part of it is that we have a right to redress our grievances, to go to the Hill and advocate for things that we feel are an injustice and aren't right. It's our constitutional right, and I think it's a duty as Americans that we should all be advocates. We need to take our democracy serious in a sense and, and realize that we can play an active part and our government was designed in such a way to do just that. So we encourage folks, if they can't even make it, reach out to me. We'll find ways to get you involved on March 1st some way. You know, I'd love to think that every member of ACB that's hearing this can be involved in some way on March 1st. And we'll be trying to find ways to do that for those that can't even make it to Washington. Anything else you want to add? I know it's an expense for people to come to Washington for local affiliates and organizations that are nonprofits around the country, regardless of what your issue is. You know, if you're a, any kind of small organization, I know sometimes it's, it's difficult to think of the expense, but I always want to remind people it's an investment. And it's a really powerful opportunity to participate in our democracy. So my hope is that we'll get a good turnout this year. I'm very positive and optimistic. And as we move forward, I'll be sending out soon the talking points and fact sheets in advance so folks can get a chance to read through the issues and get up to speed on all the issues around the legislative seminar. And if anybody has any questions, I'm here. Myself, Eric, you know, ACB, we're here in the national office to be the voice of our members, but we, we need to hear from the members as well. So we encourage you folks to email me and let me know your thoughts and what issues you're facing with. And the narratives and stories that we'll be able to tell around these issues that we're taking up on the Hill, how can we make all of those narratives echo into one giant voice here in Washington? So looking forward to it and excited to meet folks. And, and some uh, will be familiar voices, and uh, there'll be a lot of new ones. And I'm looking forward to the new ones. What's your email address? It's A. Stevens, A for Anthony Stevens, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S, at acb.org. A. Stevens at acb.org. We look forward to working with you and uh, having you back on this uh, program later in the year to, to tell us about all the good things that came out of the seminar. Thanks, Mike. It's been a pleasure. 
That was Tony Stevens, Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs for the American Council of the Blind. Tony's email address is A-S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S at A-C-B dot org. From the American Council of the Blind, you're listening to ACB Reports. The National Office of the American Council of the Blind has moved. Eric Bridges, Executive Director of ACB, has the new office address. We moved over the weekend of January 30th from our office in Arlington to a new office in Alexandria, Virginia, which is right next door to Arlington essentially right next door to Washington. As all moves go, it's not a lot of fun, but everything went exceedingly well. And a lot of it has to do with the people working in the national office, the planning that went into it, and the management of all of the logistics. We did quite well. So now it's just a matter of dealing with the sea of boxes and the unpacking. And the where did I put this or that and... Why on earth did I bring this or that from the other office? Yeah, you know, with any move, gives you the opportunity to purge some. But it also, in, in our case, it gave us the ability to look at a lot of the historic documents and other publications and communications that we often don't think about or don't see on a daily basis or even a yearly basis. You know, we uncovered some handwritten notes from the 1961 convention in Kansas City, which was really cool, and uncovered other really early years meeting notes from ACB. And uh, those are priceless to us as an organization. And so in going through a lot of the files and other documents, we uncovered some really neat historical documents. What's the new address? So our new address is 1703 North Beauregard Street, and Beauregard is spelled B-E-A-U-R-E-G-A-R-D, Suite 420, Alexandria, Virginia. The zip code is 22311. All of our phone numbers have remained the same. Since we last talked, you moved from interim director to permanent director of the American Council of the Blind, and uh, almost immediately announced a partnership with Microsoft. The opportunity presented itself really over the spring and summer. We've had a long-time relationship with Microsoft, really since the mid-90s. Sometimes it was really good and collaborative, and other times it wasn't so good. And over the last year or so, we'd been having discussions with them as they were developing Windows 10. And, you know, Windows 10 was really going to change the way that Microsoft did a lot of different things and how individuals interfaced with the Internet as well as email. With Windows 10 came a new email client and a new Internet browser. And so... Understanding this, we approached Microsoft to chat with them about these issues, and in fact, last summer, went so far as to adopt a resolution at the convention dealing with these issues. In October, we began a very serious dialogue with them surrounding these two components of the operating system, because 
unfortunately, they were not accessible to people who are blind. And the dialogue wound up being very uh, positive. It was always actually very positive, but substantive. And it resulted in a, in a partnership where ACB has really the ability to advise Microsoft on the accessibility of its various applications. Not just advise, but to test uh, and to provide real-time feedback on the various applications that they're making accessibility enhancements to. So this is something that we view as a positive step in our relationship, in our long-time relationship. Uh, it is one that is really it's up to Microsoft to see if this bears fruit or not, because we're there. We are absolutely willing and uh, currently are reviewing aspects of accessibility with regard to their applications. And it's really just up to them now to execute against the expectations that, that we have, and frankly, the broader blind community as well, has for them to get better with regard to accessibility, because they've not been very good the last few years. Have you noticed any positive changes or positive outcomes that you can speak about since the announcement of the agreement? Yeah. One key thing is um, there was an organizational announcement last month that the president and chief legal officer of Microsoft, a gentleman by the name of Brad Smith, made, which essentially restructures how Microsoft goes about the work of doing accessibility internally within the company. It elevates accessibility to a permanent role. Uh, the, the chief accessibility officer who was announced last week is a woman by the name of Jenny Lee Fleury, uh, somebody who I have a lot of respect for and admire greatly. She also happens to be an individual with a disability. Uh, she's deaf. Is somebody that has been a, a passionate advocate inside of Microsoft for accessibility. They're changing the way that they're communicating about accessibility. In an all-employee email right before Christmas, Satya Nadella, who's the chairman and, and CEO of Microsoft, spoke of the importance of accessibility in their products, which is a really big deal uh, to have all 100 and some thousand employees receive an email from someone like him preaching the importance of accessibility in 2016 and beyond. So there are indications that real improvements are going to be made. And now it's really up to Microsoft to execute against what they've been talking about. And uh, it's our expectation that they will meet the lofty goals that they've spoken about. That is indeed great news. Let's move now to the event that's uh, looming closer and closer, and that is the mid-year meeting. We spoke earlier with uh, Tony Stevens about the legislative seminar, which dovetails onto the end of the uh, affiliate president's meeting. What can you tell us about the affiliate president's part of that meeting? What I can say is that uh, an agenda should be coming out here probably within in the next week or so, and uh, there will be discussions uh, surrounding stuff like the Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act, the final regulations that we're expecting to come out in April, but sort of what 
what's going on ahead of that in states and what we can do as members to impact those regulations within our states, as well as issues pertaining to our affiliates. We're going to talk about the importance of filing in a timely manner 501c3 certifications for state affiliates and special interest affiliates. It's an ongoing issue with nonprofits around the country, and it's and that also impacts ACB and its affiliates. Because once you obtain that 501c3 status, you have to work to keep it. Yes, it's not a one-time event. This meeting will occur on Sunday. Correct. The 28th from around 9 a.m. to about 5 o'clock. So all day. And the luncheon speaker will be Matt Hanley, who's the director of uh, litigation for the Washington Lawyers Committee on Civil and Urban Affairs. They are the pro bono law firm that ACB has been working with on a host of legal issues, ranging from the lawsuit against the General Services Administration over an inaccessible website, sam.gov, as well as the taxi discrimination lawsuit that was filed in March of last year on behalf of ACB as well as myself. So he's going to be coming to talk about some of those things and other ways that the leaders within our affiliates can get involved in, in advocacy. So we look forward to hearing more in the uh, follow-up to the President's meeting and the Legislative Seminar. We'll have uh, reports from both of those meetings coming up right here very soon. So uh, order up some nice weather, and uh, I hope you have a good crowd. Thanks, Mike. That was Eric Bridges, Executive Director of the American Council of the Blind. Once again, the new address for the ACB National Office is American Council of the Blind, 1703 North Beauregard Street, Suite 420, Alexandria, Virginia, 22311. Beauregard is B-E-A-U-R-E-G-A-R-D. The phone numbers remain the same, 202-467-5081 and 800-424-8666. You've been listening to ACB Reports, heard on radio information services nationwide on side four of the Braille Forum cassette edition and throughout the world on acbradio.org. ACB Reports is produced at Radio Reading Service of Mississippi, a service of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Send suggestions and comments about this program to reports at acbradio.org. Contact the American Council of the Blind online at acb.org or phone 800-424-8666. Thanks for listening, and please join us again next month for another ACB Reports.